While fleeing Apaches, this gentleman from Virginia found a strangely shimmering cave. When he entered it, he discovered his body had somehow split in two. One form lay dead on the cave floor, while the other was mystically transported through time and space to the planet Mars. Stan Lee presents Edgar Rice Burroughs, John Carter, Warlord of Mars. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 80. The History Holocaust, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, Issue 15, Cover Date, August 1978. Hello again, time travelers. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, continuing this journey through the Marvel-licensed sci-fi comics from 1977 to 1986. And as part of that journey, we are looking at John Carter, Warlord of Mars, because that was a licensed sci-fi comic book that Marvel did based on the Edgar Rice Burroughs novel series and, and character. If you'll excuse me for a moment before I start the segment... Just taking a sip of a nice, cool drink in my new favorite mug. And I have to say, I know we're talking about John Carter right now, but I just got this mug. And it's relevant to the whole Marvel licensed sci-fi thing. It's because one of the things I love about the resurgence of Star Wars right now, and it goes along with Disney owning Marvel, is that because Disney owns Marvel and Star Wars, and because retro is in for most, I mean, lots of people like retro. And because of the aesthetic of comic books, the Star Wars plus retro vibe comes out in comic book art. And as a result, a lot of shirts and other products have been made using Marvel Star Wars covers. And this mug that I have that I'm drinking from right now, it's adorned with Marvel comic book covers of vintage Star Wars comics, the early ones. Um, let's see, there's there's a couple we've covered already. In fact, one on here is actually from the Star Wars we just did. And then there's one from Star Wars issue number one. There's the, the one where uh, Han Solo is... Having a shootout is part of that Magnificent Seven take that they did. And man, I oh, there's one from number 50. You can barely see it. It's just Darth Vader's body that you can see from issue number 50 or 49, which is one that I had as a as a kid, and I loved that comic. And so I love that, that artwork is is making that resurgence along with it and creating products that if I see it in the store, I just I just can't help myself. Now, this mug, I did see it in the store twice. The first time, I had it in my hand, and I thought to myself, you know what? I don't need another mug. I put it down, and I showed self-control. And I felt very proud of myself. 
And then I went back to the same store a month later, and it was the last one they had. And I thought, well, this is my chance. If I'm if I don't get it now, I'm probably not going to get it. And so now I have it. And yeah, I think whatever I drink in this is just going to taste a little bit better, just a little bit. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Star Wars. We're here to talk about John Carter, Warlord of Mars. And for this issue, actually, the cover, it's interesting because the cover says John Carter, Warlord of Earth. And there's John Carter riding, no, not horses from Earth. No, he's riding beasts from Mars with six legs. I can't remember what they call those creatures, but uh, he's got a sword and a shield and uh, the cover then also gives us this little blurb that says the Prince of Helium returns to his home world. And I'm very intrigued by this cover. The text tells me one thing. The image tells me something else. The image is very generic. I mean, that could be the cover of almost any John Carter Warlord of Mars issue. It's not very specific to anything uh, in any story other than there's beasts and he's riding into battle or leading a oh he's leading a stampede actually this could very well be from uh, there was an issue where he did this exact thing where the beasts were under the mind control of uh, the bad guy I can't remember his name now but um, he took control of the beast and and John Carter was just barely able to control one and lead the stampede this could be that, but it's not. Um, instead, the story is something very different. So I'm expecting, uh, when I'm sitting down to read this, I'm expecting him to return home and have an adventure back on Earth. And the story that we end up getting is not what I expected. And in fact, I thought it was going to be kind of stupid. As I was reading it, I thought, eh, this isn't great. I got to the end, and you know, there's a decent ending to it. Uh, and then there's actually a backup tale called Tales of Barsoom, which I'm not sure how long they continued that Tales of Barsoom thing. Because um, the other thing is, I mean, and these are both written by Marv Wolfman, but there was also some bad news. On the final page of this, uh, the main story, it says, next issue, a new writer, a new artist. But the wonders of Barsoom continue on without end. Be here. So think we've we've just crossed the threshold into or out of rather the marv wolfman era and the other thing is i can't not know this uh because like i said with godzilla you know there's there's information i do know now with man from atlantis i knew we were nearing the end but i wasn't sure if the next issue was the end i just thought maybe it was and I'm right, Man from Atlantis is coming up is the end. But with this one, because I'm reading it out of an omnibus edition, I can tell. I mean, I'm in the middle here, and I know there were less than 30 issues. And we're in issue 15. And if there's less than 30 issues, well, we're in the back half of John Carter, Warlord of Mars as well. As well as being in the back half of, of Godzilla. So, a little bittersweet as I read... For this, uh, well, really, for this this whole month, this this August 1978 cover date, it's feeling a, a little bittersweet to me. So anyway, The History Holocaust is written by Marv Wolfman. He's also the editor. Walt Simonson 
is the artist here. And, and Rudy Nebrez is also listed as an artist. I'm not sure what the breakdown for the work here is. In the backup story, Rudy Nebrez is the... Or no, he's not. Never mind. <laughs> Forget that. Uh, John Costanza is the letterer and Glennis Wine or Ween is the colorist. And everything I said about Rudy Nebrez for the backup story, just forget that I even said a thing because I'm totally wrong. And we'll talk about it when we get there. The story here is that there is a scientist on Mars, on Barsoom, who is very upset because he believes John Carter has caused more problems than he has solved. And it's just, you know, it goes back to that whole thing about does the hero create the problem of the villains? Or do the villains create the problem of the villains? I mean, the answer is pretty clear to me, but it keeps coming up and coming up and coming up. And basically, when you have a hero who is so great, the villains must rise up to respond to to what that, that hero can do. Anyway, this scientist hates John Carter and what John Carter has done. And so he's created some sort of thing that's going to do some sort of bad to John Carter. Meanwhile, John Carter himself, he's not too happy. Because it's quiet. Too quiet. It's boring. He doesn't have anything to do. There's no way to... Um, well, there's no there's no enemies to fight. There's no challenges. And so he's re- reduced to challenging himself with his exercise routine. And to have you know bets on if he can you know jump to a tower. And as he's making a bet with Tars Tarkas. And, and then his wife, Dejah Thoris, reminds him that he was invited to a science exhibition... He doesn't want to go, but it'd be rude for him not to go. So he goes, but little does he know this is actually a trap. The scientist I was talking about earlier, he's the guy having the exhibition and he activates his science and suddenly John Carter finds himself back in time and back on Earth. He is no longer John Carter warlord of Mars. He is King Theodoric of the Visigoths. And he is getting ready to fight Attila the Hun. And everyone knows that Attila the Hun killed Thea Theodoric. I have to check and make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Everyone knows that that's how that battle ended. And so he goes into battle and figures, you know what? If I'm if I'm going to go, I'm going to going to go in a blaze of glory and I'm going to go in a blaze of glory at the hands of Attila the Hun and Attila the Hun is a powerful powerful man and they fight and Carter loses but as he loses he disappears and now he finds himself in ancient Egypt and he is no longer Theodoric of the Visigoths no he is now the one-eyed assistant of Anthony yes that Anthony Anthony and Cleopatra Anthony. He is Antigonus. And as Antigonus, he is with his master and he is marching with their army, but he sees someone over behind them. Actually, I shouldn't say he sees it because he senses it, but then as he rides towards it, he sees that there is a Greek, one of his men, who is manhandling a prisoner, woman, And he goes to help her. And he recognizes her. And, spoiler, she looks like Dejah Thoris. And 
he helps her. And then he realizes he loves her, even though he hasn't seen her before. She looks familiar. She looks like someone he has loved, and he recognizes her as Dezothoris. And then, through the power of love, it's the power of love, he is able to overcome the machine. It's a dream machine that was supposed to use his dreams to put him into situations where he would die. And this would kill him. But he has escaped the dreams through the power of love. He finds himself back at the science exhibition. And he's in the room where he apparently, I don't know if the room is like a a hollow deck or if it's just that's the room where the energy is. But he then bursts through the wall, like bursts through the wall, Hulk style, finds the scientist. The scientist tries to shoot him. Uh, he strikes him down with a blow and he says, uh, uh, this is the, the ending dialogue here. Uh, the scientist Talus says, no, it is not possible. You're supposed to die in the dream world I created from your mind. But if you escaped your nightmares, then I must slay you myself. And then John Carter answers, no, Talus, you'll only fail a second time. You can't kill me. You were a fool, Talus. I might have succumbed to your mad scheme. But when Deja Thoris appeared in the nightmare... You were finished. Not all the incredible sciences at your command could long block out the true memory of the woman I love. And in any time, on any world, Deja Thoris is my princess. Now and forever. And that's the end. Uh, the scientist is knocked down with that blow. Dead, maybe. Who knows? Does it matter? I don't know, because Marv Wolfman is done here. I don't know if he had any other plans for Talus. This is a short story, too. It's only 13 pages. The backup story is, I believe, five. Yeah, five pages. And so, the, I mean, it's just kind of, it's a brisk story. There's, the artwork is, is good. It's strong. I'm, I get a, a, a Prince Valiant vibe in, in the, uh, the Theodoric segment. The, the Anthony and Antigonus segment, I, I don't get as much of that that vibe. I mean, that's only three pages there. And I mean, it's just, it's brisk. It moves quickly. And at first, it wasn't what I expected because I expected him to be going back home, maybe even staying there for a couple issues or something, you know, how he has to maybe find his way back to, to Mars, his true home or something. But um, instead, he's just, he ends up time hopping. And so I'm wondering, okay, well, is this, first of all, what's this? What's the end game here? Um, is Talus, did Talus send him back to Earth and then send him back in time as well? Which would be kind of a cool way to get rid of a get rid of an enemy. But then he's time hopping into actual historical characters, historical people. I mean, it's basically a quantum leap kind of thing. And I'm kind of, uh, I don't know, I'm not exactly enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, bam, he's back. And it's all a dream. And it's a dream created by a machine. I mean, one page, it all wraps up. And the wrap-up, actually, I, I, I liked it. Uh, it made it so that the, the short little story works. And the whole idea behind the short little story is something we already know. He loves Deja Thoris. Uh, if you didn't know it from the previous, what, 14 issues? Yeah. Uh, you know it now. You know He loves Deja Thoris, and everything he does, he does for her. But now we know... That he not only can jump, he not only has great strength on Barsoom, he has the power of love. Yes, 
I now have another song to get stuck in my head as I'm talking about John Carter and and Dejah Thoris. But it's, you know, it's nice. And it's basically the power of love overcomes the power of science. And he defeats the greatest genius. I mean, that's his Lex Luthor there. At least that's Barsoom's Lex Luthor. The greatest genius of the world cannot defeat him. The backup story isn't great. Um, basically, it starts out with a splash page of Dejah Thoris, who basically her costuming doesn't need to be there. Um, or maybe it does need to be there, but in a little bit more. Um, she's drawn, like many comic book women, to be naked with just color added onto it, which, you know, that's some people's thing. Uh, and then the story is just about where life came from on Barsoom. And it's kind of like those old Krypton stories where you kind of see the history of Krypton or the, the history of this world or that world. Um, not, not just Krypton. I'm trying to think of other examples, but I can't really right now. So I guess I'm just going to stick with Krypton. Oh, wait. Um, Thor. Thor had some like that where it was like old uh, stories of Thor and Loki as young people or as as they're you know going through mythological things before Thor was tied to the the hammer and, and earth um anyway it, it's serviceable it tells us about you know the big bang and the, the creation of the world there's a whole page that's just devoted to the solar system was created and then you get into the weirdness uh about life on Barsoom where basically this plant was growing and it started growing fruit, but then also started growing plant and animal combinations. And then slowly the animals that were coming out of the fruits started getting more developed brains. Uh, they came the plant men. And then from another section was a 16 legged worm. And, and then there was the white ape and the, the black men of Barsoom who, uh, I guess are the most pure creature on Barsoom, but then also the green man, the white man, the red man and the yellow. And so all these races, they all, grew into tribes and started to war and then they left each other and stopped warring and just started building their civilizations. And then John Carter and Dejah Thoris flirt after they've told the story and decide to go to their bed chambers. And that's, that's how it ends. I would have much rather have had a longer version of the time travel story. I mean, if they had done uh, if they hadn't done this Tales of Barsoom thing, they could have potentially got it in a whole nother, you know, five pages of another um, battle or war that he could have joined. But that's not what they did. And instead we got this and, you know, I just kind of read it and say, eh, whatever. Um, this whole this whole issue, this is probably of all of Marv Wolfman's run here on John Carter, Warlord of Mars. This is probably the lowest point. Uh, I really enjoyed everything, and this issue for my 35 cents, you know, as I go back and I'm buying this off the spinner rack, you know what? It's not bad. I mean, I'm still getting, a, I mean, actually an extra page of story. Um, There's 18 pages of story instead of just 17. But, yeah, I'm just, I'm not all that enthusiastic about it. And I'm going to leave it there. Um I'm just going to move on from there, I guess. And next we'll be talking about Man from Atlantis, the final issue. That's right. The end of an era.
Not that too many people would consider Man from Atlantis an era, or at least an era of of note. I mean, there's a reason I'm talking about these sci-fi books as the Star Wars era and not the Man from Atlantis era. So (laughs) that's what's coming up next. So until that next segment, I want to thank you for listening and just say Godspeed. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, Man from Atlantis, issue number seven. Behold, the land forgotten. 